Stand by. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Labricubicularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Librocubicularist. Today, my friends, is Movie Monday. Move over slightly, Monday. You gotta make room for movies. <laughs> Something I like to say at the top of every show, and I do believe, for me, sort of most importantly on a Movie Monday, is that there will be spoilers. Please, have no regard for the amount of heed that I have regarding this spoiler warning. Take as much as you need of my heed, and that rhymes, and you know it rhymes. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. No, no, no. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment in iTunes. Because that is what helps podcasts grow, flourish, become things of good stuff. Uh, that will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related business. Because it is a business, is it not? You gotta make money. Yeah, money making. Which is today's sponsor, which is Rage-Flavored Coronetto. Once again, today's sponsor is the new Rage-flavored Coronetto. Thank you to them. Very, very much appreciated. For you today, I have three, count them. Well, don't count them, just trust me, there'll be three. Because by the end of this, I will have talked of three movies. So no need to count, basically, is what I'm saying. I did technically, I should feel like I should be honest here, I did watch four movies uh, the fourth being The Great Gatsby, but it didn't sort of fit in with my post-apocalyptic theme. And despite having heard many good things about that movie, obviously the book was better. That kind of goes without saying 90-some-odd percent of the time. So uh, I'd probably just give it a two, and we'll say maybe some three moments and leave it at that. Okay? Okay. The three movies that I have that do fit with my apocalyptic theme are 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later, as well as The World's End. Yeah, get get my apocalypse on. Uh, I've mentioned this in just about every type of day I have. In Movie Mondays, TV Tuesdays, Book Wednesdays, probably especially for video games days, maybe not in Friday Internet days, it hasn't come up, but I just love every, every, anything and everything post-apocalyptic or pre, just pre-apocalyptic, uh, I don't know what it is, it's something not right in my brain that, but I, I can't be alone because there's a lot of that sort of material out there, so maybe it's not as weird as I think it is. Anyways, uh, 28 days later, 28 weeks later, I have seen before. 28 weeks later, if I had to guess, this was my third or fourth 
sorry, 28 days later, if I had to guess, was my third or fourth viewing this time. Uh, the Misses, and I watched those two together. She was not into the whole Cornetto trilogy, so didn't watch The World's End with me. Ah, uh, I forgot to get her rating. Uh, I know she likes these movies and likes them a fair amount, so on her broken scale, that probably means they'd get a two, maybe a three. For me, uh, I'd go 28 days later, uh, five out of five, just an excellent movie. 28 weeks later, mm, four out of five. Still good, but not as good. And The World's End, I'm going to go solid, solid, four out of five. Very much enjoyed it. Okay. End of episode. Thanks, folks. It's been fun. Play it. Play me out, Sam. No, no, no. We're actually gonna talk about these movies. I just because I forget sometimes. Like to, when I do remember, get the ratings out quick, quick because that is a unprofessional, and I like to be as unprofessional as possible to really get the point across that I have no idea what I'm doing, despite this being my two hundredth and some odd episode. And I forget what the other thing I was going to say was. So that further emphasizes the unprofessionalism. Indeed. Mm, 28 Days Later. Uh, one thing sort of I'm curious about is that this movie starts out with the main character, Jim, waking up in the hospital. He had recently undergone some sort of surgery or something. He had stitches on his head and it was kind of shaved a little bit. Uh, we never really find out why he was in there, I guess, other than an accident, because he was a courier of some sort. Anyways, my question right off the bat that I don't think is ever answered, or not answered definitely to my satisfaction, is has he been in there, in this hospital, for 28 days? Like, did the outbreak happen, and then him waking up is 20 day, 28 days after the outbreak, or... Does the movie, does this 28 days start from the moment he wakes up until the end of the movie? Is that the 28 days? I, I don't really know, because there's things that sort of point to it being both ways. So, if you are the writer of this movie, and I know that a sort of large swath of my listening audience is made up of the writers of horror movies, uh, please email me to the address providing in the closed credits, or you can tweet at me. Jordan underscore Maywood, and let me know what the deal is. Despite that uh, lack of knowledge that I have regarding time frame, I'm not too, too upset by it. One thing I do want to say, just so I don't get yelled at, because I know people out there, uh, an example would be Mr. Jonah Ray from the Nerdist Podcast, really, really want to emphasize that this is not technically a zombie movie, which it is not. It is rather an outbreak movie an outbreak in which the people infected have many but not all of the characteristics of zombies. It's also quite often called a fast zombie movie, which despite the fact that these are not technically zombies, uh, is sort of accurate as well in that they can run and are quick and strong and stuff. That, uh, for me, kind of takes away a little bit. Uh, some of the, the main things that I like about an actual slow-moving zombie movie, and that is that sense that the zombies are bad, and they're, they're worse when they're in a sort of horde. However, because they're almost a secondary worry, the main worry in a zombie apocalypse is quite often other humans that you have to look out for. And I always sort of like that idea that despite the fact 
that the world has gone to shit and zombies have overrun and killed millions, you can kind of stay out of their way with a modicum of effort, whereas the remaining human beings are out to goddamn get you. And it's sort of survival of the fittest when it comes to them, which is horrifying. Which is why I have so many swords and various other weapons that shall not be named. Hmm, yeah. I'm prepared. I'm prepared. Let's just say it that way. Speaking of being prepared, I'm going to prepare for this day by stopping and getting a healthy breakfast from my local Timmy Hortons, as I do from time to time. So, what I will do, in consideration for you, is edit out these moments of me stopping and ordering and things. You're welcome. You are welcome. I will be back in a moment for more 28 time periods things. Oh boy, really off the rails today. It's because I haven't eaten yet. Ah, excuses. Back in a moment. Editing. 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 On the road again. On the road again. That was the On the Road Again remix. Thank you for that voice box. Moving back in to Jim and his escape from the hospital where he was naked and he saw his penis. What? Oh my god. Yeah, uh, hooks up with a girl named Selena who sort of got it figured out a little bit as far as what it takes to survive. She, over the weeks, however many it has been, has sort of figured out a way to just survive. And a lot of that survival involves her sort of cutting herself off from humanity by being a bitch. <laughs> kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Eventually, Jim and Selena meet up with Frank and his daughter whose name, it doesn't look like I wrote down, Hannah, his daughter Hannah. And this is where Selena's cold, Grinch-like heart starts to warm a bit, and she kind of becomes a member of humanity once again, as Jim and her, Selena, and Hannah and Frank decide to travel. Hmm, yeah, get their travel on. A bit of a quest, if you will. Hmm, interesting. Uh, they are traveling towards a signal, a signal that is telling people that, for lack of a better word, there's a cure, and come here and we'll cure you, and everything will be alright. That, that whole kind of idea. Oh, uh, I did want to mention that this first movie, 28 Days Later, doesn't have too many giant stars. Or, uh, I shouldn't say it that way, just names that you will recognize. But, uh, Frank, you may... If you Google Brendan Gleeson, I'm fairly certain this is a face you will recognize. Very, very good actor. I have never, not once, seen him in a movie where I didn't greatly enjoy his performance. So I do want to mention that because he goddamn well deserves some props for sure. They make their way, get to the signal, and turns out it's all a little bit of a bullshit. Sad, 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 sad is Frank, Brendan Gleeson, once they reach this signal, and this is a fairly large spoiler, does get infected almost, well, I was going to say almost by accident, but no, by accident. And uh, that's a whole sad state of affairs there because he's like a giant teddy bear and kind of a father figure ending up to all three of them, his daughter as well as Jim and Selena. So 
the fact that he died, and died right before they came across these army folk who were putting the signal out, was horrible, and I didn't like it. One thing I wanted to say about when they reached the army folk is that their leader was played by a Mr. Eccleston. Oh, I didn't write down his first name. What the hell is his first name again? I'm having a bit of a brain fart there. Anyways, Eccleston, who you may know who I am talking about, who played Doctor Who. Yeah, uh, the very first Doctor Who that I, let's say, experienced and sent me on my road to being a Whovian, or Whovian, if you prefer, was uh, Mr. Eccleston. And uh, he was in this movie, which I did not remember him being in this movie, because it was apparently quite a long time ago that I saw it. Anyways, uh, I, I just kind of like to bring it up, because I like that thought that Doctor Who was in the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The f sort of ulterior motives, let's call it, of these army folk are not exactly good. In fact, they kind of, for the most part, want to get their rape on, and almost do. However, Jim, who they decide they have to kill, in an almost uh, apocalypse now final type of scene with the rain pelting, kind of loses his shit a little bit, and shirtless near death, about to be killed, escapes. Escapes and decides that he's got to rescue Selena and Hannah and goes about it in one of the most gruesome ways possible involving getting these quote-unquote zombies involved, getting his own stab on, and causing a general ruckus. It's sort of, he turns into a one-man army and just towards the end is losing his shit to the degree where Selena thinks he may even be one of these rage zombies for the reason that he's just kind of lost his shit and is banging heads against walls and just out for blood. Out for blood. The end, basically. There is a little bit after the fact, sort of where they are in a country cottage, kind of just chillaxing, living the life of the cottager during the apocalypse, which I think that's the way to go. You kind of want to be out in the middle of nowhere. And enough time has passed so that these rage zombies are, for the most part, dead or dying due to starvation, which leads us into 28 weeks later. Now, here's another sort of time-related question, which perhaps Doctor Who could have answered if he didn't get killed by zombies. Oh, okay, gave that away. Anyways, uh, when does this 28 weeks take place? Is it after the events of the first movie, 28, 28 weeks from that? Or, I think perhaps more accurately, is it 28 weeks from the date of the first sort of outbreak? That's probably what it is. So, we're still in England, or the United Kingdom, Wales, Scotland. I don't know, uh, they never actually say if this makes its way over to Ireland. Yeah, that uh, that never came up in, in, in either of these movies. Interesting. Anyways, I'm not going to have time to finish this before I get to work, I have realized. However, maybe I'll give you the, the bullet points for now. And that is most of the United Kingdom, uh, let's just put it that way, is dead. There are a few remaining survivors that have trickled in, one of them being Robert Carlyle. Robert Carlyle, I have realized, is the name of the actor. 
I uh, didn't write down his name in the movie, but that's okay. Robert Carlyle uh, is a name that, again, you may or may not recognize, but I think if you Google, you can look at his face. In fact, I think him and Brendan Gleeson have been in movies together. Yeah, anyway, it's sort of very famous British actor, both of them. Uh-huh. And actually, sort of on that note, this movie, 28 Weeks Later, has quite a few big names in it, or bigger names anyways, because I think of the success of the first one, this had a little more pull, and I think this was a little more, I don't want to say in the heyday of zombie movies, but uh, 28 Days Later was sort of at the beginning, whereas 28 Weeks was perhaps more entrenched in the zombie love that seems to have permeated the culture, which I think has to be on its decline soon, I assume. But that's a whole other story. Anyways, uh, Robert Carlyle plays a father whose kids are out of country, thank God, and his wife and a group of people are held up in that same sort of cottagey situation when it is overrun by zombies. And he... Uh, this was just a brutal opening sequence, hand sweaty, oh my god, can't believe this is happening, where they're all killed, and he reaches a moment in this onslaught where he kind of has to make the choice to either save himself or save his wife, but potentially and probably even likely die in the attempt of saving his wife. So he sees his wife about to be sort of overrun and hightails it out of there. Uh, yeah, rough, rough scene to watch and just get into his head the thought of him leaving his wife behind. Ugh. Okay, so that's where we'll kind of leave it for now and come back after I do eight hours of work, and we'll wrap it up then in a neat little rage-filled package, you bastards. Okay. Uh, final thing to say, which is, of course, oh, my job. Look at her butt. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. 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 We are back. Back in action. Hello again. Well, well, etc. I should. Because of the darkness I have mentioned on the last several podcasts, hop right back in while I can still read my goddamn notes. Curse you, darkness. I don't think it is safe to drive with your sort of uh, dome light on. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. So I try not to do that, and in fact, succeed where I try. So, gotta get my notes read quick, quick. My next note, as far as 28 weeks later, says that Eventually, when the zombies are sort of died off for the most part, if not the entire part, they start letting people back into England. And I kind of think that that is unlikely, definitely unlikely after only 28 weeks, because the sort of amount of money involved that would have to go into doing that task and cleaning up England of just the sheer amount of dead bodies is ridiculousness. So uh, I kind of don't think that would happen. However, for the purposes of this story, we're going to suspend our disbelief a little bit and say that the Americans decide to help with the cleanup. 
And something I'm a little foggy on there is, are they helping um, British people retake the land, or are they taking the land from the British people since all the British people are dead and they might as well use this land for themselves? Is that the idea? I don't really know what the, the full story is, and it doesn't really come up, because we get pretty quickly in to a new apocalypse! Yeah! How does this come about? Uh, very, very cool way, uh, and I like it very much, in that uh, I mentioned this morning how this husband left his wife behind to die. Not very good. His kids then come back from wherever they were studying abroad, and uh, they're all upset about the loss of their mom, but they're sort of ready to get on with their life, with the exception of the son who wants a picture of his mom for the reason that he's forgetting what she looks like. Oh, sadness. So they decide to leave the safe area, the sort of staging area that the Americans are using to set forth on the rest of the aisle, and uh, go to their old home just in order to sort of get a picture, get some of their shit, yada yada. While there, their huh, mother is still alive. Yep, she's a little on the feral side at this point because, I don't know, she's had a tough time of it, apparently, on her own. And the sort of really cool thing about it is that she, although bitten, has not turned never fully explained why this is other than the fact that something in her genetic makeup something that both means she's immune to the virus as well as has one blue eye and one brown eye multicolored eyes uh, that is something that is not crazily abnormal in fact david bowie sort of probably the most famous person with that um it has a has a scientific name for it, I forget what it is, but that made me think that David Bowie, within the 28 days and weeks later universe, would be immune to zombies. So, you know, that's pretty cool. Cool little idea there. He could potentially be one of the last remaining humans on Earth, Mr. David Bowie. And I like that idea. Throw him in this universe. So, although this mother is immune to the virus, she could still be a carrier of it. So, that's not good. The husband sees her strapped to a bed, tries to make up, in fact, kiss and make up, and it is that deadly kiss that uh, causes him to be the first to churn. And then, as a zombie outbreak happens, even though this is not technically zombies, he bites two friends, and they bite two friends, and so on, and so on, until he got a full-fledged apocalypse, an apocalypse still relegated to the British Isles, still relegated to all these sort of Americans who have come back in to help what remained of the British people, so that ain't great. This movie did something kind of cool that the first one didn't, in that the the bad guys, well, you know what, I guess it kind of did, just on a, on a bigger scale. Okay, so let's look at it this way. In the first movie, the bad guys are the, of course, zombies themselves, as well as the army folk. In this, the bad guys are the zombies as well as the army folk. So exactly the same, just on a much, much more larger scale, where it is the Americans, and they have at their disposal sort of firebombs, 
gas, poisonous gas, a shit ton of men, snipers. So we're fighting against all that. And when I say we, I mean the two kids, as well as a uh, lady army doctor who is played by a woman whose name I did not write down, and even if I did, probably couldn't read it due to the darkness, who's been in a whole bunch of movies. I really like this girl. Super, super hot. Just oozing sexy. Yeah, and I like her. And my voice is getting very suggestive. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyways, uh, she has sort of put two and two together and realized that this woman's son who also has the same eye, whatever, genetic mutation, I guess you could call it, why not, sure, is probably also immune to this virus. So she figures, you know what, this is the only hope for a cure for humanity is this boy, because the mother was uh, bombed in one of these firebomb situations. So she makes it her mission to get him out of there. Then the remainder of the movie is her, these two kids, as well as one of the snipers who sort of had had enough with shooting civilians. He d didn't, uh, didn't much care for that, so joined them in their hope of getting out of there. And uh, that's your movie. Do they make it? Do they not make it? Who knows? Who knows? They do make it. They do make it. Something very, very cool just I was going to mention and not going to mention, but now I'm going to mention again, and that is the very, very final scene, I think it was it even post-credits, or just pre-credits, was coming out of a tunnel, a sort of horde of these rage-fueled, quote-unquote, zombies, and we sort of pan away and see that it's in Paris. So that means they sort of uh, apparently went through the tunnel, which is funny because I've read a couple of things where uh, read or seen, I think, a couple of things where the channel was involved with the zom zombie apocalypse spread spreading throughout the globe. So, if you are a channel guard listening to this, and I know a great sort of swaths of my listening audience are channel guards, please, please, whatever you do, if a zombie apocalypse happens, shut that tunnel down. Shut that channel down, even. Uh, so that left it open for potentially 28 months later, which I would not be super, super surprised if it didn't happen eventually. And uh, I would definitely be all over that. And I think friggin' millions and billions of people would love to see that happen. Uh, a lot of potential for craziness since you're jumping 28 months ahead of the spreading of this rage virus. Ah, you know what? I say a lot of potential, but I think it would be hard for the writers of that to do things that have not been done in other zombie-type things. So, I don't know. It would have to be, for me, something totally different that you haven't seen before. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I should move on to my last item, which is a little film. The third in a trilogy, although... Some people may not realize that it is a trilogy, the Cornetto Trilogy. They are movies that are connected, although not following the same storyline. I am, of course, talking The World's End. Ha ha! Yeah. I've uh, been dying to see this. I had sort of a mixed feeling going into it. The mix being, I love the first two movies, Shaun of the Dead, one of my favorite movies, and, oh my god. Hot fuzz, you idiot. 
Oh god, this is gonna get bad. <laughs> what the hell is the other one called? Uh, the other one. Shot out of the dead. <laughs> it's funny. I want to say Super Troopers because I know that's not. I know that's not it. It's uh, Police Squad. No, that's something else as well. What the fuck? This happens from time to time on the podcast where I can't remember a name, and because of my sort of not great amount of time, I don't use any energy to think of the name and just move on, but I feel bad doing it in this case. But, uh, Shaun of the Dead, The World's End, and... No, it's it's not coming to me, and uh, I have to move on. You know the one I mean. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, play some cops in a small town. That one. Oh, God. Anyways, they're all interconnected in certain ways, I guess most of which involve the writers and stars of the movies. So for that reason, my hopes were very, very, very high, because I enjoyed the first two, despite not being able to remember the name of one of them. Uh, Enjoyed them very much. So, hopes high in that regard. Now, on the other side of the is I heard the the reviews of this movie that I heard were not glowing. Yeah, I think that's kind of a perfect way to put it. They weren't necessarily bad reviews. People didn't necessarily say, don't see this movie. But uh, no one sort of said, this is the funniest thing ever made, you have to see it, whereas they would and did with Shaun of the Dead. So, a mixed bag, let's call it. Uh, which I think helped in one regard that my hopes weren't super soaring sky high, which means that I very, very much liked this movie. It's kind of hard to explain this movie. The fact that I can't read my notes is going to mean that other than Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, whose names I have memorized, I won't be able to tell you the names of the other actors in this movie, although they were all good. And I liked them all, and they all had their sort of little quirks and personality traits that sort of intermeshed well with one another and made me think that, made me think and believe that these are buds and had been buds in high school and got up to some high jinks. So I looked at that fondly. The other thing was, uh, get a little bit into the, the plot, and that is Simon Plague plays a dude who is sort of living in the past, and The high times of his life were, I guess, in his very early 20s, late teens, and he's kind of stuck in that mode, which I can understand, so I kind of felt a a bond with him in that regard, because some of the greatest times of my life, as far as hanging out with friends and partying and being a little bit of a shit disturber, happened during that time, and I look back at it very fondly, and he looked back at it fondly to the degree where he was kind of stuck in that, which uh, I don't think I am, so there's that, but I can understand being stuck. One of his greatest achievements, or closest to his greatest achievements, was a 12-pub pub crawl. If you are unfamiliar with the pub crawl, and I'm not sure if I've ever done it, I suppose I have. I live in a town called Bolton, and there are a fair amount of pubs. I think there was at the time that I did it, four or five, and did all of them in one night. That sort of idea. Within this small town, there is 12, and it's called the Golden Mile. And the idea is to go to each and have a pint of booze in each, 
and in their youth, they did 10 of them, so they almost made it. And Simon Pegg kind of felt like, in order to get on with his life, he needed to do this 12 again. He needed to complete this journey, this quest, in order to make his life worth, to make his life goal complete. All his other friends had, for the most part, moved on to average, everyday, adult-type things, and he was living in the past. So that right there, pretty good and funny and interesting story, right? I would have, with that plot described to me, been all about it. However, if we know anything of Shaun of the Dead and the movie that I cannot remember, we will know there's probably going to be a little bit of a twist here. The twist coming in the form that this town has been virtually entirely overrun by robots. Robots. Robots in disguise? Yes, robots in disguise. These robots are not terribly well made in that um, their skin, I think, or their skin, their skin, like specifically their heads, their musculature and bone structure of their heads seems to be somewhat fragile, almost if it's, if it's made of a, a sort of pottery. The reason we know this is because quite a number of these robot heads get busted open by these gentlemen in the course of this adventure. They also are filled with a sort of blue blood, which looks slimy and a little like uh, stuff you would pour down a toilet to unclog it. That kind of that kind of blood going, mm -hmm. as you do. They are on their, I believe, eighth or ninth bar when they realize that this town people they knew growing up have been sort of replaced with these robots. Robots who don't like people messing with their orderly lives. The bastards. Eventually it's sort of a, a fight to... Well, <laughs> you, you would assume that in real life, if this happened, you know, robots taking over a small town, it would be a fight to escape. However, uh, and this is where the logic for me is a little flawed, they decide that the only way to sort of convince these robots not to kill them is to go on with their pub crawl. Um, so the robots will think nothing is up. Uh, is there logic? Yeah, that didn't really make sense to me. Yeah, to be fair, that didn't last for long. Eventually they're sort of like, well, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Simon Pegg, who had his heart set on this, his heart set on this probably more than human beings have had their heart sets on anything in a lot of movies. Besides that, he's going to goddamn well polish this pub crawl off, come hell or high water. Friends sort of fall along the way, but he is going to get this done. Eventually, it is him and Nick Frost, as it always seems to be. And uh, they reach the final pub, the final pub, which is called The World's End, hence perhaps the title of this movie. They almost inver inadvertently stumble upon the robot lair, robot kind of spaceshipy lair, where they learn the true secret of these robots, which I'm going to give away right now, so despite my spoiler warning at the top of the show, I'm giving a second one here because it's giving away the ending of a movie that has just recently come out, so that deserves perhaps a little extra attention as far as spoilers. That has covered my ass, you have to admit. Anyways, these robots have been on Earth for a long, long time. In fact, have sort of 
brought about our leap into the technological age has all been all been because of them, because of their advancements. For example, smartphones. Yep, that was them. The argument from Simon, from Simon Pegg is that, okay, yeah, well and good, but humans need their freedom. We can't just be thrown out and controlled and told to do what you think is right. That is ridiculous. Yeah, says Nick Frost in his drunken stupor. Yeah, says other people. The, uh, I guess, head robot consciousness realizes that to, to argue with drunk people makes zero sense. So, and I really, really like this, the uh, super intelligent robotic overlord that has controlled human destiny by introducing advanced technologies almost sh just shrugs his shoulders and said, ah, fuck it, fend for yourself then. Uh, we cut to a couple of years, I guess, down the line where all technology on Earth has been wiped out and we're living in a sort of dark age. So, um, we won. Yay, humans. Boo, robots. Alright, <laughs> folks, I am at home, so I will wrap this up as I like to do. In neat little package, in a messy big package. However, it's going to be wrapped... It's going to be wrapped. Oh, God, that really fell apart at the end. But to be fair, I seem to recall this morning, it didn't start that smoothly either. So we got a bit of a theme going today. Oh, boy. Final thing to say is, as per usual, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.